Some people will hear about strategic narrative or storytelling and think it means that we're not going to talk about the technical aspects. We're just going to talk at some surface level. And that's totally not what we're talking about here. We're talking about creating a frame and context that's in a broader level, but creating that context so that when we get to the very, very important super technical details, we understand why they matter. Welcome to Presales Heroes, the podcast by Vivin. I'm your host, Perry Bronson, and I'm here with Andy Raskin, who has helped some of the biggest names in tech align their teams around a strategic narrative to drive success across sales, product, marketing, really the entire company. And at Vivin, uh, we believe in the power of storytelling, of course. So Andy, I have to say that you are pretty famous around the halls, the virtual halls here at Vivin. How are you doing today? I'm doing great and uh, great to talk to you, Perry. Fantastic. So let's just get into it. Um, please, would you tell us, how did you get into this interesting business of strategic narrative and storytelling? Yeah, you know, I started out as a developer myself. I, I was a computer science undergrad, and uh, a few years after school, I, I I was working as a coder, and a friend and I had an idea for an app. So this is like very late '90s, so Windows app. And of the two of us, I spoke English fluently. So when we when we coded the thing, made a prototype, and we started to get some users. Uh, and we thought, hmm, maybe this could be a business. Uh, we decided I should write the business plan. So I wrote it. We sent it to a bunch of VCs. And the reaction was really bad. And uh, one of them wrote back, Andy, listen, I rate every plan I get on a scale of 1 to 10. And yours is a 1. And in parentheses, he wrote worst in case we thought maybe 1 might be the top of his uh, rating system. But no. Uh, and then he wrote, though, not a compelling story. And... I didn't really pay much attention to it until a few weeks later, I was walking by this Barnes and Noble and there was a sign in the window that said, for anyone who wants to tell a compelling story, and there was an arrow to these books. Uh, and of course that was, you know, I, I wanted to do that. So I went in and looked at the books and it turned out they were all about screenwriting, which I knew nothing about. And as I read these books, I started to realize that there was almost a code to how you know movies are put together and stories are, are built. And, uh, and it was very different from the way that I had been taught to, to build a pitch or, you know, and, and, and just this idea that a movie is, is, is a pitch in a way, like, you know, what's Star Wars a pitch for? It's a pitch for trust the force, um, you know, be, be good to people. And, uh, you know, that was kind of fascinating to me. And so, you know, we didn't have much to lose. So we, we rewrote our plan based on kind of what we had learned in these books. And, and we started getting a lot more interest and, and soon got a, a term sheet for, for a, an early round. And so um, that was just sort of fascinating to me. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, around, around early 2000s. And, and it took about 15 years for me to sort of have the, the idea that, hey, this could be, you know, this is something that other people other CEOs and other founders struggle with and to realize that there was an opportunity to, to work on that. Wow, what a story. I love the reference to Barnes and Nobles. Gosh, those days. <laughs> <What> <laughs> I, I think there's like one or two still around, but yeah, not too many. 
Yeah. And, and I love the, your background, how you started out in this more technical space and learned through entrepreneurship the importance of, of telling that compelling story and, and got that firsthand experience. And this is really tied to our audience, these solutions teams, pre-sales folks, sales engineers. You know, they have to have the technical know-how, but they also have to really tell a compelling story and map back all the value of their product to what is important to the the buyer effectively. So I'm, I'm so excited that you agreed to be our keynote at Unexpected. The cat is out of the bag. Um, Unexpected is our virtual conference. I'll, I'll put a sign-up link in the um, description of this podcast in case anyone wants to save their seat. But do tell us, Andy, what interested you and um, got you to agree to be our speaker? Well, first of all, it's an honor to be asked. So thank you. You know, I, I get a lot of speaking requests and they tend to be about like this, the narrative as it applies to marketing. Um, and that's important. But what has always interested me a lot more is how the narrative is used by the CEO as a, a tool, a strategic tool for aligning and improving like all the functions of the business. So like, I don't know, talk about unexpected. I guess it was sort of unexpected that like I would get asked to talk about narrative to a bunch of sales engineers or pre-sales engineers, whatever that whole group. But it's also fascinating to me as a challenge, like I do see the the link between these two kind of as you, you've been alluding to. And it was especially interesting to me when I learned, you know, your, your CEO, Matt Darrow, that he comes from Zwara, which of course you know, one of the the originators of, I think, one of the great strategic narratives around subscription economy, and that I get to talk with Matt about kind of how that narrative played a role in his, you know, sales engineering or pre-sales team being successful. Uh, That was really fascinating to me. So uh, I, I was really excited to do it. Fantastic. And we were so excited to have you uh, as our keynote speaker. And it's it's awesome that you agreed to this, it's despite you know not taking tons of speaking opportunities right now. We feel very honored. And when you really look at this audience that we're serving, solutions teams, pre-sales, sales engineers, whatever you may call them, it's pretty incredible how how large this group is, you know, with over 2 million professionals by our count. And yet this is the group that people don't really talk about in go-to-market. And so of, of course, there's a need for storytelling in, in this space and to be more strategic and, you know, all of the great things that you talk about. So we're really pleased to have you. And I used to say that pre-sales is having a moment. I had worked in pre-sales before I got into product marketing, and it was very clear that finally we're starting to get some attention. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when I look at things like Bureau of Labor Statistics projecting uh, more than 2x growth of people in this profession when compared to other groups, or um, the fact that we're in a bear market and we're watching very closely on LinkedIn um, in terms of job postings, and we're seeing actually an increase in job postings, even mm-hmm. among the hiring freezes and and what have you. It's really a movement, right? It's not just this, oh, this this group is finally getting some attention. Things are changing. B2B selling is changing. What buyers need and expect from the sales process is being delivered by this group. So it is a strategic group. And storytelling is such an important part of, of that buyer experience from our perspective. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I've been in roles in uh, product management, um, marketing. Like I said, I, I've, been, I've been a founder and 
the the engineers who can do like sales engineering, you know, of whatever flavor that is, whether it's customer engineering or, you know, whatever, are just so valuable. Um, it's such an interesting and valuable kind of person who can, you know, has the technical expertise, but can interact with customers in a way that's, you know, driving revenue. Yeah, absolutely. And taking someone that has that technical background and really understands the product and the business problems, but then being able to engage people in that entertaining way, capturing, you know, a very diverse audience in many cases, when you've got a room full of stakeholders at very different levels and angles of the business, like, I love the the screenplay angle that you're talking about, and um, I think that's that's really interesting. And and in that note, very basic question for you: What exactly is a strategic narrative? I, I think a lot of folks in this space have to tap into it without even really knowing exactly what it is, and, and do think of it more as a marketing um, term. So, how would you yeah. define it? Yeah, well, in terms of you know still figuring it out, join the club. Um, you know, even though it's been <laughs> sort of I've been under on like my bio line for like eight years or more, um, I'm still sort of learning. But you know, you talked about the importance of storytelling in you know sales engineering or sales in general, and and I think there's a couple ways to look at that. One is storytelling is sort of a general skill, like sort of the way I communicate that I'm kind of using stories or story structures, which is, you know, very important and great. But what, I, what I'm more interested in and what I call the strategic narrative is this one story that the company is telling that, you know, comes all the way from the CEO that really frames everything. And the, the structure of this story, I think ideally is this, what I call the old game, new game shift. So, talking about Zora just a second ago, the Zora story was all about, hey, the world is moving from transactions, you know, one-off interactions with between a buyer and a seller to subscription, which is this more always on kind of recurring transactions. And, you know, Zora's whole story was, hey, that's a totally different world. And, and guess what? Like all the new, all the, everyone who's winning is doing that. And hey, don't you want to join this club? And so a strategic narrative, I think, always kind of has that structure where there's some old game and some new game. And what we're trying to, we're, we're naming those things so that, you know, people can kind of have a shorthand for all the things that are happening. And uh, and then we're saying, hey, do you want to move to this new world? If so, then, you know, we're the one, we, we can take you there. And, and it was really fascinating to me to hear from Matt uh, about how he used that story when he was a sales engineer to you know, not only just sort of solve problems, which is the, the the what Matt told me is like the kind of you know entry level approach to sales engineering, but to actually put out there like, hey, this vision of the new game, and say, hey, you know, if you want to get there, here are the things you're going to have to solve, which is maybe some problems you hadn't even thought of. So it's this way of framing the world for the prospect or for the customer that explains why your stuff is valuable and hopefully uh, gets people energized, almost as if you're enrolling them in a movement. Matt Darrow is definitely a great CEO to work with, um, having come from Zora and, and having shaped that movement and then brought it to life, working directly with buyers and customers and getting people to join that movement and showcasing the value of their platform. So, you know, Definitely taking lots of pages out of their book here at Vivin. 
Um, but when you think about the mediums, like the the channels through which people can tell these stories, I know that uh, pitch decks are a great love of yours. I follow you avidly on LinkedIn. And any listeners out there, if you're looking for some new uh, thought leadership, Andy has just an awesome channel on LinkedIn. But what other mediums are there? You know, sales engineers, pre-sales solutions teams are certainly using um, slide decks, of course, but um, how else can they bring the story to life? And and also, how can the company determine if these mediums are working? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a question, which is, you know, yeah, we want to tell this very clear story. And in what format should we write it down when we're, you know, when we're, kind of coming up with it when we're authoring it so that it kind of pervades the whole company and, you know, everyone knows it and and all that stuff. And the traditional answer to that question is we're going to put it in a place the world never sees. Some kind of internal messaging house positioning sheet or something. And typically these have like kind of like, I don't know, personas and they'll have like pillar messages, kind of fragments of messages that, and the idea is we're expecting everybody to come back to this thing when they do want to create something the world sees, like a sales pitch or a website or CEO talk, whatever. And in my experience, there were a couple of ways that that would break down. First of all, people wouldn't come back to it, especially outside of marketing, uh, where it's often kept. And even if they did, I think it was hard for most people to take to take those, you know, pillar messages and weave them together to create something that's kind of natural and compelling and 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 coherent. So I thought really hard about this when I started doing this work, like what would work better? And I did come to the pitch the sales deck, the pitch deck, because I think this is the core narrative. Um, even you know the, the investor pitch is basically the sales pitch plus some other stuff. When you're recruiting, the the sales pitch is essentially the core of it. Of course, there's other other things, you know. But uh, and and the other thing is like if we if we can put it if we can bake it into the sales deck, then we know sales is going to always be telling it, and we have sales telling us, you know, is it working, not working, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if we're building it, you know, in cooperation with them which I think is important. Uh, so it felt like it would have this kind of staying power. And uh, I think that's been that's been a good choice. That said, you know, some teams, I wrote about this recently, like I'm working with a team, I'm about to do a kickoff with them next week where they're totally anti-slides. Like we hate slides. We don't think our, our customer ever wants to see slides. Um, <clears throat> it was interesting when I talk with them, like, as I, I started asking, well, why, why do you need a narrative then? And they started talking about, well, oh, well, we, we used to have a, just a very simple product and now we have this much more complex offering. And the CEO and the CRO started to almost like themselves say, hmm, maybe we do need some slides. You know, like, so <laughs> yeah. um, maybe it has to do with sort of a stage. Um, but whether you use literally use slides or not in, in pitching, I think it's a good way to sort of document the story. But of course, what we're looking for is, as you're saying, like that it's told through all the mediums. So, you know, demos, the demos are basically framed by the strategic narrative. Uh, so not like, hey, uh, here's, you know, the five features we offer and here are the problems they solve and 
Let me do a demo of each feature. That's sort of like no context. What the context we want to have is like, okay, here's the new game you want to play, like subscription economy or, you know, uh, Gong will say, uh, you know, unlock reality. Okay, you want to be able to do that? Well, here are the five things that are going to get in your way that are going to be hard, that are going to block you from joining that club. And now I want to demo for you how we're going to get you over those things. So it's, it's not necessarily we're demoing necessarily different things, but the context is different. And uh, somehow that makes, that makes all the difference. It can be also things like trials, you know, free trials that how different functionality is labeled and, and positioned. Sometimes I'll work with teams where we rebuild the strategic narrative and, and the implications are, wow, like a lot of labels in our product have to change. And some, sometimes even product naming and, and packaging has to change. So, uh, you know, we could go way beyond that. But in terms of like the sales engineering discipline, I think there are lots and lots of media, like as you said, through which this story can be told. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Andy. And uh, you just reminded me of a quote uh, from an advisor I've worked with, Ken Rutsky, where he says, you know, he'll help us with the the script or the screenplay. And then it's a marketing's job to make the movie, right? So that's website. Maybe we're working with sales on the sales collateral. And then, you know, having the actual conversations with your prospect getting hands on the product, showing them the product through demonstrations. That's almost like a live action role play, right? Where it's like you're taking the movie and you're really bringing it fully to life. And hopefully we're all working from that same script, that same screenplay. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a powerful story from my experience can be worth a thousand little features. But at the same time, how would you say that go-to-market leaders um, can make sure or should make sure that they're aligning these grandiose, wonderful, energizing stories with what their products can actually deliver? I know you, you, know, you spent some of your career working in product and curious if um, you have any experience on how to sort of like rectify and, and make sure those two things are really succinct. Yeah, because there's always a, a balance, um, especially early on, but I think maybe always of you know the story you want to tell and... Uh, you know, what we can actually deliver. Those things are sometimes they have to be balanced. And that's one thing, that's one reason I like the strategic narrative framework that I talk about, because this old game, new game, it's it's not about features. It's about a kind of new discipline for winning in the world. And yeah, initially we might just be offering a few features to help you out in this new discipline. But you know, as we as we go, we're gonna we're gonna be releasing more and more. Uh, so kind of lays lays out a Here's how we think about the world. Our identity is that versus our identity is the features. But I'd say also going back to what you just said about the movie, obviously that lines with the way I see it, is I actually, you know, marketing may be the one that that produces the movie, but I think the director or the you know scriptwriter of the movie is the CEO mm-hmm. and has to be. And it's the CEO's job, I think, to make sure that this story is aligning with what can be delivered and that, you know, and obviously it's a conversation. um, But if we define the story as, you know, this new game, for instance, subscription economy, there's going to be many, many features that will help someone, you know, win in that new game. We're going to, you know, keep building them, but we're not defining that movie in terms of features we offer. Uh, It's really defined as more of like a sort of, uh, Hey, here's how the world is going. Do you want to go there? 
And so I think that can help also in terms of making the alignment easier. But ultimately, it's really on the CEO to make sure that that story is the right story. Sure. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. I, I don't want to keep you too, too long, but I did want to ask one more question, just zooming out quite a bit since you know, you're know you quite a veteran uh, around here in the tech circles of the Bay Area. So I'd like to just get your perspective on what kinds of trends you're observing in this B2B space. And also, what are you most excited about in terms of um, you know what you're seeing in those trends and what's to come? Yeah, you know, uh, there's a book, I think, uh, going back to movies again, uh, where I think it boils down all the movies ever made into like seven plots, seven archetypical plots. And there's something similar in working with B2B teams in that, you know, there's like, there's like five or six or seven stories that I see kind of over and over again in in many different industries. Uh, So one story is like the kind of basically like the API story of like things are now can be assembled and built, Mm. you know, like, hey, used to be you had to, you know, uh, build everything from scratch and now you can kind of compose and this kind of, you know, that's sort of one big kind of trend story, um, like structure story. There's another, of course, AI, which is all about, you know, intelligence and, uh, you know, using computer learning to get a better better sense of reality. That's really the gong story. Uh, but you see that playing out in lots and lots of different roles and industries and different companies. There's also a whole story around democratization uh, that, you know, used to be this was just available for, you know, specialists and now it's available for everybody or, or some variation of that uh, theme. So, you know, it's interesting to see that these, you know, and every once in a while, like a new story will pop up <laughs> that I haven't seen. And it's sort of interesting to see these, but those are the, those are some of the ones that I've seen happen over the last couple of years. And uh, I guess what's exciting is just seeing a lot of people, you know, for me is like seeing a lot of people in, the whole B2B space, just sort of get a little more uh, authentic and real. Uh, You know, this whole thing used to be like, we're going to make a white paper and um, have a, have a form on our website uh, where do you want a demo? And you know, not that those, those things don't exist now too, but they're just so much more of like, I don't know, people's uh, true personalities seem to be able to come through. I guess that's partly like LinkedIn. It's partly, things like Discord and other channels that allow people to have just sort of real interactions. And uh, that's really nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. There is a sense of authenticity. I think that's coming with that um, democratization wave, which is very exciting. Um, Certainly AI is a big thing for us here at Vivin. And I don't know if this would fit under the democratization, but one thing I'm really excited about that we do here is um, instead of just doing like release notes, periodically we do these big product story announcements and it comes mm-hmm. with a comic book. That's really a big metaphor for a bunch of the, you know, key advancements we've had. And uh, yeah, super fun. We actually have one of those coming out uh, later this month too. So that's been a, a cool way to sort of be authentic, be different, but also showcase things like our AI that we're building. So it, it's exciting, certainly on the product marketing side, as well as um, on the solution side. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't seen these, but I'm guessing that, you know, whether it's a comic book or whether it's, you know, just a white paper, like, you know, whatever you're doing, I'm guessing it's all, you know, ultimately tied up to that script of Matt's, which is that, hey, this, this, uh, there, there's been this shift. I, I don't know exactly how he puts it, but, you know, the way he, the way I've heard him talk about the strategic narrative is, you know, like basically the buyer is now, I think he calls it salesproof that yes. all the old things, you know, are, are just not going to work. I, you know, I, I don't think that means you can't sell to them, but it means you're selling to them in these different ways that are much more aligned around, you know, kind of expecting they're coming in already knowing a lot of things about you and related to the strategic narrative that that the selling now is much more about kind of packaging the world up for this buyer so they can kind of understand where where they need to go. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, our position, of course, is it's the solutions organizations, the pre-sales, the sales engineers who have that unique ability to deliver not only the product expertise that they want, the hands-on experience, but the story and contextualizing it for the buyer and helping them get motivated to go and, and get it done at their company and then reap all the benefits. Yeah, yeah. totally. They, they That position is where those two meet each other. And you know, I often hear people talk, some people will hear about strategic narrative or storytelling and think of it as means that, oh, that means we're not going to talk about the technical aspects. That means we're, we're, we're just going to talk at some surface level. And that's totally not what we're talking about here. We're talking about maybe creating a frame and context that's in a broader level, but creating that context so that when we get to the very, very important, super technical details, we understand why they matter. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Andy. I couldn't be more excited for this keynote coming up this fall. And for all of our listeners, uh, hope you enjoyed a little bit of a sneak peek of, of where we're going here. Um, just a couple of highlights from, from what I heard today. Strategic narrative is not just for marketing. This is really coming to life in the sales process, in the solutions teams, in the hands-on experience of your buyers. It's a strategic tool for aligning and improving all the functions of your business. And to do this well, the strategic narrative, you've got to create the story around an old game, new game shift um, to really mobilize your buyers in a movement that they want to join and frame the world, frame your product and your value to the things that they care about. So just wonderful, wonderful ideas and advice here. Um, thank you so much for joining. Oh, great talking with you, Perry. Thanks. Thanks so much uh, for, the, for the opportunity to talk. Fantastic. Talk soon.